0: Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. It's great to see all of you. I hope you're staying cool. It has been hot, and it's just going to continue to stay hot for another who knows how long. A couple of months, maybe. We'll just see. So. But at least it's nice and cool in here. And and we're in this series of messages called Come and See. And we're looking at some stories from the book of John in the New Testament. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. And we're reading through these uh, stories of people and their different interactions with Jesus. And oftentimes I read these stories and I think to myself, and some things just don't change. People are people. The the people we read about in, in the Bible... They face the same types of issues and challenges. They ask the same questions. And we're not all that different from these stories we read. So, a couple of weeks ago, when we began this series, we looked at John chapter 1 and talked about how God uses bridge, God uses people to be like bridges where His message passes uh, through our life to others. And so we, we can be like bridges into the lives of others that need uh, Christ. Last week we looked at how some of the early Christ followers needed an experience with Christ or an encounter with Christ before they would believe. And so we looked at a miraculous event that took place at a wedding feast and how that was the turning point for a few of those who were following Jesus and watching to see what he would do. And they believed after that point. Today I want to look at another type of interaction. And it's, it has to do with people that are wrestling, and this might be you, through intellectual barriers. Maybe there's some questions you've got. Maybe you're skeptical on a certain level about if, if Christianity is really true and if you can, if you can believe in uh, the message of Jesus. And so today I want to look at a story from, it's found in John chapter 3. And it's exam, and it's an example of this, of how many people are outwardly religious but inwardly unsure. This might actually be uh, the way you would describe yourself. You're, maybe you're trying out church right now, or maybe you're trying to improve your life and become a better person. A lot of people would describe that. I'm, I'm trying to get on a path to become a better person. But deep inside, you're still possibly sorting and wrestling with what it would look like to become a Christ follower. And so you might really identify with this story. And so if that's you today, we're just really glad you're here and you're exploring Christianity. We just invite you to go at your own pace, ask questions, get to know other Christians here, even try out some of the faith practices that that we have and and if you identify with this story, then then, uh, if it raises questions and brings you to a point where you'd like to talk with someone, I'm going to share with you a little bit later some next steps you can take. And so uh, even if you can't personally identify with the character in this story, I bet you could in the past or several people around you are sorting and so you'll be able to find a connection either way to this passage. So let's take a moment and pray. And just ask, uh, invite God to speak again to us through the Bible. Father, we, right now, we just, uh, we pause. And we thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for hitting us up this morning and giving us life. And I ask you, Father, to speak to us through your word. I pray against things that would distract us right now. I pray you'd minimize those distractions and help us to be able to focus our thoughts on you. Please guide this time in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, so John chapter three. This is one. John is one of the biographies of Jesus, and it begins with uh, John three begins with an encounter that Jesus has with a religious rule follower named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, he he ran with an elite group of of uh, men called the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were a very very religious and legalistic group of people who saw themselves as separate from commoners, common even common people of faith, they saw themselves as a little more distinguished. And so they would isolate or they would separate themselves from uh, other Jewish uh, uh, individuals. And they kind of ran with their pack and they would try to follow all sorts of laws on top of God's laws. So they tried to keep God's law, but then they stacked all sorts of laws on top of that. And so I want to dive into John chapter 3 and it says this in, in the first verse. There was a man of the Pharisees, Named Nicodemus. And he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. This council was actually known as the Sanhedrin, and this was a group of about 70 leaders who formed the governing council of Israel. And so this would have been like a member of the Supreme Court, okay, of our Supreme Court. This was, this was a very prominent official. To be running not just with the Pharisees but also with this this uh, governing religious council. So this man Nicodemus he comes to Jesus at night. This is this is a bad joke but I'm going to tell it anyway. This is the original Nick at night. <laughs> I thought of that yesterday and I thought I finally came up with an original idea and uh, <laughs> until I Googled it and found out that children have you know been. To, you know, I found all sorts of things on Nick at night. Pages and pages and pages of Nicodemus at night, but Nick at night, you know, so. <laughs> Some of you don't even know what Nick at night is. <laughs> I think it was like Nickelodeon at night, right? It was, it was a, anyway, that's what it was. So you can, you can Google that. What is Nick at night? But don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Okay. So this is a man named Nicodemus. He is sincere. He goes to Jesus at night. Possibly goes at night because he's concerned about being spotted with Jesus. Again, imagine like a Supreme Court justice going to meet with Jesus. Okay, he's He is not sure that he wants to be identified with Jesus yet. He's not sure, but he's got questions. So he's sincere. He goes to him at night. He's exploring. And maybe this is a point of identification for you. Maybe you're here and church for you is a hard right. From the road that you've been running, and maybe people in your life don't even know that you're exploring Christianity, and so you you've come not at night in the morning, but it still is like symbolically you're at night exploring this. No one else knows that you're checking out Christianity. Now maybe the reason Jesus or Nicodemus did this at night was because Jesus was busy or Nicodemus' schedule was busy. Either way, they come together at night to talk, and Nicodemus said to Jesus, "Rabbi," it's a title of respect. Rabbi, we know him, you know, our people, the Pharisees, the people I run with, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. Me and all my religious friends, we've been watching you, and clearly you're from God because for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus is doing some miracles, and, and as these miracles are taking place, these are more than just acts of God's mighty power. These are actually signs. Nicodemus uses the words miraculous signs because all the miracles were signs that were pointing to some significant uh, issue that Jesus was fulfilling. The signs were foreshadowing oftentimes, I mean, the miracles were foreshadowing something that was to come. Even the the sign that we looked at last week, the miracle of turning water into wine, there was a uh, that was a foreshadowing. There's a lot going on in that. And I, I don't want to sidetrack, but maybe go back to it and begin to think through that later. What did that have to do with what Jesus was going to do? We talked about God's grace and and last week how this was an act of of grace. But these miracles, Nicodemus recognized these are signs pointing to something greater. And he said, no one can do these signs unless that you're doing if God were not with him. So Nicodemus, he's he's like, I'm taking all this in. I'm evaluating the facts and sifting through your teachings. I'm seeing these miracles. And God clearly has his hand on your life. No doubt. Verse 3, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, that's confusing, isn't it? No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. That's impossible to do. No one can be born a second time, which is why Nicodemus asks the follow-up question. Verse four How can a man be born when he's old? Like me, Nicodemus is thinking, How can I do this again? Nicodemus asks, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be to be born. Intellectually, this statement that Jesus, you know, gave him doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But Jesus isn't talking about physical. Rebirth, he's talking about a spiritual rebirth. Verse 5, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one, this is very pointed, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit, to which I'm sure Nicodemus is going, huh? Jesus continues, look at verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, meaning you know Roman people give birth to Roman people, Jewish people give birth to Jewish people. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Nicodemus was born into a Jewish family, so he was born into the kingdom of Israel. Flesh gives birth to flesh. He was born as an, you know, in the kingdom of Israel, but it works different, Jesus is saying, for the kingdom of God. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You can be born into the kingdom of Israel through your Jewish parents, Nicodemus, but there's something more to enter the kingdom of God. Only the Holy Spirit can bring about spiritual transformation. Only the Spirit of God can bring about this spiritual rebirth required for entering into the kingdom of heaven. And then he illustrates this point with this. Verse 7. tells Nicodemus, You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind, it blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You don't, you don't see the wind. You know We see the effects of the wind. We see the leaves blowing. We know it's there. We believe it's there. It, but it can't be controlled by you. We observe it, though. And Jesus is saying the Spirit of God, in a similar way, is at work renewing hearts and transforming lives. And then look at verse 9. Nicodemus says, how can this be? How can this be? He's wrestling. He's sorting. This doesn't totally add up for Nicodemus because his whole religious tradition was built on legalism and demands of doing good works and being a a good person, a moral person. In fact, um, Nicodemus was more than likely um, a a good man. Probably somebody, the way that he interacts with Jesus and the interactions we see in, in Scripture, he wasn't, trash-talking Jesus like some of these uh, Pharisees, some of the people that were in the Pharisee group were, were really hostile towards Jesus. He's actually pretty respectful. But he's lived a, a pretty good life and he's trying to be a moral person. Now today, still, this is the prevailing thought that, that there is, in order to satisfy God's demands, in order to, to get to heaven and experience eternal life, that we need to make sure we've done enough good. And there must be in the universe somewhere a giant scale of good works that if we've done a lot of bad, we better make sure we do a lot of good at the end of our lives. It needs to somehow tip in the favor of the goodness so that that will satisfy God's righteous demands and allow us to go into heaven. But Jesus is challenging that idea of how do you get into heaven. It's not about morality, he's saying. Jesus is saying this isn't controlled by people's Good works. Are their human efforts? This is actually an act of a loving God who offers grace to people. Verse 10. You are, Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher. You teach the people of Israel. You're, you're a high-ranking Pharisee. You're Israel's teacher. And you don't understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, Jesus says. And we testify to what we've seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. The religious leaders, Jesus is saying, are missing it. It's because legalism and tradition often can have a numbing effect on people to where the truth can be right there at the tip of our noses and we can't see it because of our we're so steeped in tradition and steeped in our thinking. And this issue of, I just need to be a better person, is I think what plagues many and what keeps people um, disconnected from God because they're still trying to earn that relationship with Christ through doing good, we just feel so bad because of the we feel guilty over the things we've done, and we think I just gotta work. I must. I need to work harder. I need to try harder. I need to be more consistent. I need to be more faithful with with church, and, and we go on and on and on, and, and we can miss this issue that Jesus is talking about. Verse eleven here implies that, that Nicodemus doesn't become a Christian through this conversation immediately. He's not, he doesn't choose to become a Christ follower right there on the spot. But sometime later, he actually becomes a Christian. He, he chooses to follow Christ. In fact, after Jesus is crucified, he, along with a few others, helped prepare Jesus' body for burial. And so this conversation stuck in Nicodemus' mind. And it was a part of helping him sort out, eventually, you know, choosing for himself to... Believe and trust in Jesus. And this is a great example of someone who's outwardly religious, but inwardly unsure. And because of that, still outside of God's kingdom. We need these examples. Now, if you're, if you're a Christ follower, this passage should explain to you what has happened to you on the inside. Spirit, God's Spirit has given you birth, given you new life. You've been reborn, if you're already a Christ follower. If you haven't yet, Become a Christ follower. This this can help, hopefully help you answer some of the questions uh, that you need answered. Because we would think, I just again, I just need to clean up my life and become a little better and get a little more moral, get a little more consistent in church. But if a spiritual rebirth has not occurred in your life, and you might even be a, a faithful, consistent church goer, an outwardly religious, good person, but when it comes to the kingdom of God. Listen carefully. You do not slide or drift into the kingdom. You, 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 don't, you don't sneak into the kingdom of God. Like one moment, you're on the outside, and then no one's looking, and then all of a sudden you're like, that my time, that my time. And then everyone's like all of a sudden, hey, it's good to see you. How would you get in here? How long have you been here? Oh, a long time, long time. You you, there's no back door. You find a secret passage into the kingdom. You don't, you, don't, you don't slide or drift into the kingdom of God. You commit. You intentionally choose to respond to God's offer of grace through the death of His Son, Jesus, who did the work and finished the work on the cross, dying in our place, that's what can bring you eternal life. When it comes to God's eternal kingdom, Nicodemus is being told, you must be born again. All of your good works would not be enough. There must be a spiritual rebirth for you to enter the kingdom. Your old way of life is put to death. And this is called repentance. You turn away from going your own, your old way. Your old way, my old way, was I'm living life independent from God, doing what makes sense to me. I have a pattern of doing life. And... Repenting means I turn around. I go in a new direction. In fact, a few verses later, we see the good news. The good news, in a nutshell, is this: John, the 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 one who's writing this this gospel, this book, the New Testament writer, he writes because he doesn't want us to miss when he after he shares the story of Nicodemus, he doesn't want us to miss, miss this. And this is being written after the cross, after the resurrection. But he doesn't want us to miss the significance of what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. So we get verse 16 in John. John 3.16. Very, very well-known Bible verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. These words are the most quoted words in all of the Bible. And and I'm sure John had no idea how these words would reverberate for generations. John 3.16. I had a neighbor growing up that, that he was at a party. He was strung out, he said. And he looked up and saw the television screen at this party. And there was a baseball game playing and someone held up a sign that said John 3.16. And when he was clear enough, he found a Bible and read that. And it was what God used eventually to help him come to know Jesus Christ. This is a very powerful verse, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, as Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and be lost forever, but they can have eternal life. First, this is the first place in the New Testament where the word the words, the unique Greek words that we would translate to believe in this is the first place we see this show up. It's not to believe about, it's not to believe uh, informationally, but it's to believe in him, to believe in someone. This is the same word that we would... There's no word for trust or rely on in, in Greek. This, is the, this means all that, to rely on, to trust and to believe in Jesus. And even though Nicodemus walks away unconvinced at this point, he eventually shifts and believes in Jesus. But up until that point, he was unconverted. He was unbelieving. His initial response, it typifies many who reject that Jesus was the Son of God, who died on the the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and then rose again on the third day. Unrepentant unbelief is what keeps people separated from God. If you live your whole life and you choose not to repent and not to believe, that keeps you separated from God for all eternity. And the Bible teaches very clearly that unless a person believes in Christ, his death and resurrection to cover our sins and then repents and confesses him as as boss, as lord, you're outside the kingdom of God. Now repentance means again, it's like a U-turn. It's I turn around. I was going my way where it made sense and I turn around. And even part of me going my way is not only does my way seem right and feel right, But part of me going my way is me thinking that if I just do a little more good and become a little better and become more moral and get more faithful in in church attendance and just try to do the right things, that somehow that's going to be good in the end. You even have to repent of thinking that your good works, no matter how good they might sound or how, how religious they may appear, even that you repent of that, recognizing I can't in and of myself Do enough good to cover my sin. I've broken God's laws. I've I've lived outside of God's ways. I've lived independent from God. Only Jesus' death can cover that. I want to show you a video because I think for the most part, when we start going our own way in life, it's so hard for us to get off that road and turn around because, and even if people, even if people we trust are telling us, hey, you might want to consider turning around, not continuing on the path you're on. But it's so hard when someone else tells us that. It's hard for us to, to really believe others. Here's a humorous video just showing how difficult it is to trust other people when they're telling us we're going the wrong way.
1: Walker wants to race? Oh, race? ridiculous. All right, come on, let's go,
2: let's go. Put your window down. He wants something. Uh, probably drunk. You're going the wrong way. What? You're going the wrong way. He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. (laughs) What a moron. You're going in the wrong direction. You're going to...
0: video here's what the scripture says proverbs 16:25 there's a there's a way that seems right to man but in the end it leads to death and it's a humorous video but it's it's very very important that we understand when we're talking about eternal things you want to know where the path is leading that you're that you're living on And to be a Christian, people who are born again, and this is in your listening guide, are people who believe that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross for their sins. This is what it means to be a Christian. To be born again, to be reborn from the Spirit of God. It's it's someone that believes that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross for their sin. They repent and they turn away, they turn around, from doing life their own way, independent from God. And they confess Jesus as their Lord or their boss. This is one big yes. They accept Jesus' leadership from that point forward, which means He's gonna move into my life and, and change the direction of my life. He's gonna change some things around. If this describes you, then you're, then you're a Christian. You've stepped into the kingdom of God. You didn't sneak in, you didn't drift in, you didn't earn your way in through church attendance or morality. You, you chose to commit and respond to the grace of God. But if, if this describes, if you're still sorting then what are the major issues that you need to get clarity on? Ask that question. What is it that is holding me back? What is it that I'm stuck on or hung up on? Eventually, for Nicodemus, this man that met Jesus, eventually the cloudiness that had fogged his mind cleared. And at a certain point, he intellectually understood who Jesus was, why he came to earth, why he died, and he understood what it meant to follow him and live for him. And today, this is certainly still the struggle for many. There's an intellectual barrier that prevents some from knowing Christ personally. I've got another video. This is two, two men who have become Christians here at OCC. And their story, this is a real brief video, it talks about how they decided to enter God's kingdom after much sorting. So let's, let's take a look.
1: Early on I, uh, I grew up in church, uh, I played a lot of church, I did a lot of checks and balances in church, jumped through a lot of hoops that I thought that's what made me a Christian. One instance I can remember is around 26 to getting involved with alcohol, drinking, uh, driving, and it's uh, by God's grace that I never killed anyone, or got a DUI. And uh, when I had a party, I just prayed that God would just take that desire to want a drink. And uh, from that day, I've never wanted another drink. I can't stand the smell of alcohol.
2: I've been struggling with faith for most of my life, even going so far as denying God's existence and becoming an atheist. And my closed-mindedness made me hate religion and become prejudiced towards followers of religion. And I would instill these types of thoughts and ideas on my friends and family. But despite that, I was still looking for a source of good in the universe and a a set of moral laws I could follow.
1: About uh, two years ago around Easter, I started asking a lot more questions about God and my relationship with Him and started really grappling with reading the Bible and making a serious commitment to read. And... uh, just struggled with why do, uh, good, why do bad things happen with good people, um, stuff like that. And uh, started asking more questions with other men at the church who started getting rallying around me to, to help me grow my relationship with God.
2: The major turning point was in June when I had sat down and started reading Scripture. I must have read about the majority of the New Testament and I learned really what it meant to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus. And I came to the decision that I wanted to follow him and to live with him forever.
1: Becoming a Christian for me has been a process. Um, God really just took his, his time with me and molding me. Um, and working through a lot of the struggles that I had dealt with. Um, I was really questioning my, my walk with God and if I really was saved during this process. And uh, over time, God has really been faithful and teaching me that no matter what I've done in the past or even now, that He loves me
0: unconditionally and giving me the grace to, to be saved by Him. You know, with both these men, and I appreciate them sharing their stories, they they had legitimate questions, and at different points, they tried to get involved to get their questions answered, and, and they were on a quest. And in, in Scott's case, who shared right there at the very end, that, that took a few years. I mean, there was this process through his life. Uh, but two years ago, things really got nailed down, and God brought assurance uh, to him. So he knows. He's responded. He's become a Christian. He's in the kingdom of God now. Same thing with Jacob. Jacob... Only about a month ago, a little over a month ago, I decided to follow Christ. And, and he would have labeled himself, prior to this, a, a skeptic, an atheist. And oftentimes when I encounter people who have intellectual barriers, and would label themselves skeptics, they, they never actually read the Bible. But in Jacob's case, he just, he couldn't s- stop consuming the Bible. When he first came to talk, uh, he, he, was, he was like, I read Job, and uh, I, I can identify with some things in this story, and then I encourage them, why don't you read John? And I think it was like by the evening, all right, I'm done with John. <laughs> the next day it was like, I'm done with Acts, and I'm done with Romans, and, and like he shared, he just started. both these guys, they started letting the pages of Scripture answer the questions that they really had. And you might identify with, with these guys, and if so, I encourage you to get to know the God. Who's revealed to us through the pages of the Bible? Maybe begin by reading the, the Gospels. Get to know the God who sent His Son, His one and only Son, for us. Get to know. Don't just ask questions and then be and be stuck there. Get your, get your questions answered. Now, if you're already a Christ follower, and maybe you're sharing with people who are sorting right now, and maybe offer to read it with them. Don't be afraid of, of reading the Bible or doing a Bible study with someone who is somewhat skeptical. Sometimes we get afraid. We think, well, what if, what if they ask me a question that I can't answer? Well, then what? That's actually probably going to happen. You're probably not a Bible uh, professor. And so there, you're going to hit some points where you go, you know, that's a great question, and, and I'll get an answer. Let's wrestle through that. Let me let me let me spend a little more time. We'll come back and we'll, we'll look at that. But it's okay to admit that. But I would encourage you. If people around you who are sorting, that's a, that's a healthy thing. You, God can use you again, like a bridge, to help other people come to know Him. But there are answers to the tough questions that come up because our faith is a reasonable faith. And oftentimes, when people decide to follow Christ, we might think, "Wow, look at what they did. Look at what you know the path that, they're, that they chose to." To head down, it's not just because it originated with them, though. It's because God began to call them and to draw their hearts. Look at John six forty four. Jesus said, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day." Whenever God God's Spirit uh, creates this uh, this new birth, Spirit gives uh, gives birth to, to Spirit. When that rebirth happens, when someone's born again, it's because God got the process started and started drawing your heart. And that might be where you're at. You might sense, I can see God is tugging on my life, and he wants me to begin something new. And it's, 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 not, it's not just my morality is changing. It's actually he wants to move in and, and renew me from the inside. And so, now if you're, if, you're, if you're walking alongside people who are sorting right now, then here's, here's one thought. Choose patience as you interact interact with people who are sorting. Don't, don't lay on the pressure if you recognize someone's wrestling with their faith questions. Our tendency could be to lay on pressure and to get impatient, but instead trust God as He works in people. Backing up a few verses in John chapter 6, Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. Verse 39 And this is the will of him who sent me. This is the Father's will. That I, Jesus says, that I shall lose none of all that he's given me. When God starts calling a person and drawing a heart, God, Jesus is saying, I won't, I won't lose track of them. I won't forget about them. I'll raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. What this means is that we can trust God to do the work in, in people's lives, or if that's you in your life. So in summary, if you're if you're still sorting and you're here, this is on your listening guide, then consider choosing Jesus. Why not today? Consider choosing Jesus. Deciding, just as those men shared on the video, deciding to follow Christ. Or if you're a Christian, then choose patience. Who who around you might be sorting in this and really investigating and wrestling, what role can you play in that process? Don't just think, oh, I'm off the hook. Jesus said he's got them in his hands. Jesus actually commissioned his followers. We are his witnesses who share Christ with others and share about the difference that he's made in our lives. So who, who do you know that might be sorting? Or if you're here and you are sorting, we would love to help you get clarity on how to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the rebirth so you can know where you stand with God. You can know if if you're in the kingdom of God. Because just like Nicodemus, you don't drift or slide or sneak or earn your way into the kingdom. You choose to believe in Jesus and begin living for Him. So what's keeping you from encountering this spiritual rebirth? I would say don't put this off any longer. If you're not certain that you've made Jesus Christ the boss of your life, but you're ready to shift and commit your life to Him, and you need some help, then... As the worship team joins me up here on the stage, if you take out this connection card, on the back side, on the white side of this card, you'll see it says, it's highlighted up there on the screen, I'd like more info about following Jesus. We would love to help you get your questions answered. And if you want to talk to someone today and really nail this issue down, uh then would you stop by our guests and info table and just say, I- I'd like to become a Christian. Can you help me with that? And our staff will be there and we will um, we'll we'll share with you and we'll help you if you're ready to make that decision. So uh here's some next steps to consider for all of us to consider. My next step today is identify your top questions to get answered in this in this area if you're sorting. Second, pray for people dealing with spiritual doubt. Folks in your life that are really wrestling. And then third Choose patience, not pressure, when you're when people around you are sorting. Choose patience. So let, let's pray, Father. We thank you for this time, and we thank you for your great love for us, and how you work in our lives, and how it is no accident that we're here together right now. We play a role, God, in this story. We're either on the on the side of helping Nicodemuses in our life who are sorting and asking questions to get their questions answered, and and. Praying for them and, and living out the faith in real ways before them, helping uh, play a, a part of the process that you're doing, or 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 we're in His shoes and we're uh, we're considering the road we're on and what it would mean to turn our lives over to You. And so, God, I pray You continue to uh, do Your work as these verses shared. You're in charge of the process, Lord, and you're calling people to yourself. Just as the wind blows and we see the effect, the Spirit of God is working, renewing, transforming lives. And so I I thank you for the way we've seen that here through the years. And, Lord, we're excited that that it's just scratching the surface, Lord, as we continue to grow and meet and reach new people, Lord. It just energizes us as as a church. So thank you for the way you're working. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week
2: for another Orange Crest Community Church Podcast.